In 2016, a new Arrowverse show premiered on the CW. Featuring characters from The Flash and Arrow, it existed in their shadows quietly. However, it has since gained popularity and brought the three of us together to discuss the characters and their progression from season one. This week, the last was another failed promise. Hannibal season four confirmed? And there is only one thing worse than a genocidal dictator. A child. No! Definitely don't call us heroes. We are the legends of next week. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Legends of Next Week. I'm your host, Mary. I use she, her pronouns. I'm Eden, she, her pronouns. And I'm Kate, also using she, her pronouns. And thank you all for joining us once again as we continue looking back through season one of Legends of Tomorrow. And this week, we are on episode... 10 progeny Ooh. we're not at the midway point because midway was uh, night of the hawk mm. yeah we, we've passed the midway point so now we are going to the future in this episode to 2147 in the cosnia conglomerate so what are just like our initial thoughts about this episode like, it's middle for me. It's not terrible, terrible, but it's not good. It kind of, for me, it progresses the plot in one aspect, but the other two parts of the story make it feel like a filler episode in a way. And um, look, and looking back on what becomes the rest of the season, the ending is disappointing to me. Yeah, I, I would say with this episode it's really not one of my favorites i i think that the second half of season one is actually pretty strong agreed um, yeah I especially agree. as we're looking back i think i know we weren't big fans of last week's episode either and after the but after this one i think the pace gets a lot better yeah um because at this point we're kind of we're starting to in the map of the storyboard, and you say we are approaching the climax, and we are now, and then we're going to get to the fall in action, which I feel that fall in action is kind of the finale of that episode. I think this episode has just kind of shown what I find kind of interesting about season one of Legends, which is that so many episodes are not about us, like, gaining victory or making progress it's almost reaching zero because <laughs> so like in a way it feels like we're always losing really bad in each episode and we're trying to get back to our middle ground because we have rip i will fail in any way possible hunter always leading these missions like literally if he's leading he will fail also, no offense to the team, because yes, it takes a while to truly form a bond with people around you and work well, but these aren't exact, this isn't exactly the um, varsity squad we're working with. We're working with the JV here. Exactly. So it's kind of interesting to have a time travel show 
where at least for the first few parts there's only small ripple effects of good that they're doing which i think in the long run is where legends shines in that even in small actions doing good is important and it's valuable because it feels like every episode in in season one it always ends with Gideon saying, well, I know you guys did a lot in 40 minutes, but sadly, Vandal Savage will still rise to power and murder Rip's family. Hi, you still screwed up. My point is, Rip's family was obviously some kind of fixed point. We didn't come to that kind of conclusion until season seven that we never mentioned until then, but it is definitely a fixed point because he can't fix it. No, I agree. It's, um, and I think kind of with this episode and we know favorite saying of legends is time is like cement. Sometimes like it takes a while for it to settle. So in this episode, I mean, we're jumping straight to the end here, but Gideon essentially says, well, we kind of just sped everything up by five years. You didn't just fail. You failed spectacularly. But um, maybe we should kind of cycle back to the beginning because we're kind of doing like time travels right now. We're kind of the ending and we should be looking at the beginning. Uh, We will go to the future that is obviously boring that apparently Microsoft owns it and like Taco Bell and McDonald's because it's supposed to be all the corporations together, right? The Taco Bell conglomerate, my beloved. <laughs> That's a joke in BoJack Horseman where it's like um, ESPN, Fox News, NBC, Trader Joe's, uh, uh, Big Lots would like to let you know that they are sponsoring this. It's just the idea that eventually yeah. everything meshes together. Yeah, that's why I feel like the conglomerate is, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, we kind of start the episode with where we ended. Nick is still in the brig. He's still in his timeout period from, you know, trying to commit a little murder. And Rip comes in and he's like, oh, I owe you an apology. And then proceeds to give the most asshole apology you can give someone. He does. I knew your nature bullshit. I love that how Mick is essentially like the priest for confession in this episode. Literally, he's in the box. They're all going to confess to poor Mick, and he really does not want to hear it at all, but he's stuck. I think I have to laugh. I don't remember correctly in here, but I think comics Mick is um, Irish and um, coming from a... If you're Irish, you probably already know this. Some, there's some pretty um, ultra-Catholic Irish family, so I'm really cracking up at this comparison of him being compared to a priest. You have to remember I'm Jewish, so it's fair. That's okay. That's okay. You're. That's okay. That's just, that's, that's my, that's just things I know coming from a partially Irish family. They're going to make like some daredevil comparisons, which actually, <laughs> which, was really funny because I was thinking Mick's kind of got like a Frank Castle vibe in this episode. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So but because it- wait, does that make Leonard <laughs> Matt? Yes, if you want to go that way, yes, actually. But yeah, like to your point about it being like a confessional, essentially, like 
Mick doesn't outright say this, but he's like, you're all coming in here to tell me I'm doing bad things and you're all out there debating if you're going to murder a child. He's like, so why am I in here and you're out there? Yeah. But yeah, so they're on their, so Rip's giving this jerk apology, like, oh, I'm sorry. I should have known your nature before bringing you on this ship, which come on, really, dude? Really? I have no words. But they decided to, they're going to visit the Kaznian conglomerate. And Kaznia, if you're familiar, I think that was an era. That was where we had our suicide squad before we had to kill them off. So um, Kaznia is in a lot of um, DC animated media. It's not as much in the comics, but if you watched old Justice League, Justice League animated, even some of the animated movies, you run into Kaznia a few times. It is a stand-in. I'm sorry in the last episode we kept saying Baltic states. The Balkan states. It's essentially a made-up... Jesus Christ. Essentially a made-up Balkan state. Which, I uh, gotta say, this episode is not fun to watch in the year 2022. For somebody who knows none of this, this kind of sounds like a Star Wars planet somewhere. Well, technically, Cosnia, it's kind of, it's basically a way for them to talk about Yugoslavian conflict without being in trouble. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a whole episode, there's a two-parter episode in the old animated show where Vandal Savage features very prominently, where he sa- he basically says he's his own great-grandson and is going to marry the princess of Kaznia, who was with Wonder Woman and they were having a girls' night. And um, it turns out, <coughs> it turns out that in that episode, he just married her so he could get access to her ray gun so that he could try and blow up. Like, he could just basically aim a big magnifying glass laser at anywhere he wanted on Earth. And then Batman hit him with a chair. Honestly, he just sounds even more terrible. I don't know. Why, Vandal? Why? But yes. Um, so the Cassian conglomerate that, so apparently in the future, corporations run countries. Event, Rip mentions that eventually countries start handing the power over to corporations which is a little alarming in this day and age to kind of hear that this this episode didn't age well. And then while 2147 is said to be the world's zenith, Rip also mentions the Armageddon virus comes five years later and decimates the population. That I, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, I know what that reminds me of. Well, to your point, when he says, oh, the corporations have basically taken control in the government. Jack says, oh, like 2008. <laughs> so even Jack's honestly, like, yeah, we've been here. Honestly, it's still going on. Because if you think about it, a lot of the corporations have way too much to say at this point. Anyway. Did you know the FDA isn't funded by taxpayers anymore? That's a fun fact for you all to know. Oh, my fact. God. Yay. Uh, future is very gray, literally. Oh, yeah. Why can't we wear colors in the future? At least she was allowed to wear pants. (laughs) Women were allowed to wear pants, people, during this uh, year, instead of the one where the Time Masters were, where they had to wear skirts. So Sarah's allowed to wear pants. Do they even have Pride Month? Happy Pride, by the way, but what do you do during Pride Month? I don't know. I feel like it's... Do you think Tor Degaton leads a Pride float? No. (laughs) 
No, absolutely not. See, Vandal Savage could run it if they included his lesbian daughter, but they didn't. But we'll get to that later. But yeah, when Jax is complaining about, so apparently what they wear is wool in the future. And Jax complains about it. And Rip tells him, well, you better be grateful because the people who are living outside the city have pretty much nothing. So again, it kind of confirms that while Rip is saying, this is the future's zenith, this is right, the peak, this is the best we could ever get. There are still people suffering outside of the city. And, and again, it's kind of a very, it's interesting how they kind of isolate themselves with the privilege that is happening here. Honestly, not, again, not that surprising considering like wealth and middle class and poor class nowadays. It's really not surprising that the wealthy would do such a thing. Really not. What year are the Avas again? It's 22 something, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's about a hundred years into the future. And then, I mean, we go even further than that, but I don't understand timelines in this show. That's going to be bad for the timeline segment. We're lucky we're in season one now. But yeah, they, they, they all decide to go on a tour of the future but they're there but you know who they leave in the wave rider as they take a joy walk around people they once again leave kendra behind oh my god why we're sorry again sierra (laughs) man we are so sorry like we know that she's like a big tractor beacon for vandal savage but like she doesn't have to go with you to that place like why doesn't she go with and we'll talk about this later why doesn't she go with um ray and stein and Jax? i mean in the future so we see vandal savage in the future um he is a shareholder in the Cassian corporation and um, but the thing is like he's he's a shareholder he has like an authority position if Kendra's out there, he can't just like Doctor Strange out a window and then go on a murder spree to go get her. <laughs> That's true. So is he like just the Elon Musk of the future? Just question here. Does he have a child that's named a very interesting name involving numbers? Her name is Scandal, but she's not here. Damn it. <laughs> Anyway, that's, please enjoy this bitterness in the episode Leviathan that will be coming to you probably in a month or so. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, because they mentioned the shareholder thing. Um, and Vandal Savage is kind of sitting there like, you know, it's nice in this. Now, nice is not the right word. I'm saying it like it's and now that we're kind of realizing vandal savage is real bad not just because he murdered rip's family in cold blood which is for and that doesn't the show doesn't address as much as you know constantly assaulting kendra and carter throughout time is that now he's also decided that because there are too many people the answer instead of spreading resources is to inflict a plague 
this episode aged very well. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Thinking about it now, because again, we're in a year of five million of Corona. And yeah. Yeah. This did not age well at all. But like he literally wants to release this virus to kill almost what was it more than half the population. And we can be sure it's not the population that has the money. No, it's not. Nope. Yeah, it, it's very interesting because um, what happens is that um, Rip actually manages to sneak into the shareholders meeting. Um, he had those, which, God, I don't know why they have to have the guards wearing red armbands, but that's just like, Ooh, oh, I didn't. I didn't like that. I didn't like that. That's not a. That's that's. I literally uh, not noticed that, but oops, no. It's real bad. Considering what we uh, later refer to a lot in this the historical character that we refer to a lot in this episode, it kind of makes sense, but in a very bad way. Yeah, I. Because then we have to meet. Because uh, we have to have a person who's a MacGuffin, right? This is Legends of Tomorrow. People are living plot devices. Um, and in, in this episode, we, we're we already aware that, like, um, her Degaton in the future is, like, a dictator who Rip says, children in the future learn about her Degaton um, the way you learn about other dictators of the past. But I, I will say, um, every time they're like, here is the big bad per Degaton. I, I can't, I'm sorry, listeners, you will hear me say this for the rest of the episode. I, I can't help but hear his name. So like Matt Barry is Laszlo and what we do in the chat is like, Per Degaton. Per Degaton. <laughs> Not now, darling. Per Degaton's on the horn. <laughs> Look, we need a little humor in this episode because again, we mentioned um, the name that we should don't want to mention but obviously that he's compared to hitler a lot we, we we cannot we cannot speak the name of the man who we referenced in this episode i don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah we know it's supposed to be hitler we we're, we're gonna live here yeah but yeah um it, they use hitler without having to use hitler again i will you should not use hitler but they kind of use the character that's like him so we should probably explain why they're making these comparisons. So, um, Pat Degaton is out walking in the hallway, and he's only like ten or eleven at this point. He's a child. That's a child. Um, and then he can't even drive. No, he takes gymnastics lessons. He does. I'm not gonna judge. I mean. Leonard did. I mean, you can. Listen, there's Olympic gymnasts. I'm not going to judge. If you do gymnastics, great. Um, Leonard's don't cause good. Just don't kill people. That's the moral for me. Oh, we have murdering people. Like Rip going into this place, which I appreciate. He has like I don't know how he got these contacts, but he has contacts that enables him to go into this meeting. And he's like, "Can I bring my crew?" And they're like, he says that Leonard's a stockholder, and he was about to say that Sarah was his assistant until he goes, she's my bodyguard, because I feel like Sarah would have killed him. And she said, she's my assistant. Oh, I feel like this leads in very, we missed, there's a Leonard Snart line, I don't remember, it's something, 
talking about stockholders and snark goes i'm more of a hard asset man for the record we are snips at this snips but yeah because he steals the thing that makes sense it definitely makes sense when you're robin hood but you took but you did read it right (laughs) when you're robin hood but you kept the money Uh, it's it's a different kind of liberation. So don't don't steal from stores or from creators. Actually, yeah, be good people. Who aren't good people are Per Degaton, and we find out Randall Savage is his tutor, and they have like a little dynamic there. Do they have it? They don't have a secret handshake. No, but I thought they did. No, but Vandal. I <laughs> Vandal is like the cool older mentor to Per Degaton. He literally is the emperor to Anakin Skywalker. Hey, and that's a ding. Ding, Star Wars. I was going to say, he's kind of like the cool youth faster. Oh my god, no, that works too. That works too. But I'm sitting here saying, how did Vandal get into this position Anyway, how? Outlived them all. I listen, seniority. Okay, but there's some Twilight logic. I can't believe I just said that. Oh my god. <laughs> what Twilight my- logic would this be, Kate? Because I want to hear Okay, it. but like, I'm so sorry. I'm about to pull from my obligat- obligatory attempt to be a normal person and fit in with the trend when everyone was reading Twilight. I did it too. I regret it. But they had, I mean, like the family had to move every couple of years so that people wouldn't get suspicious that they weren't aging right. That's quite literally what so Randall this, Savage does. Yeah, I mean, that's literally what he has to do. I mean, how much does he just move to different corporations? Oh, that's possible actually. Didn't he work, you said he worked for like Bruce Wayne at some point, so it's always possible. Yeah. That was like an AU comic, I think. But I mean, like, unless you are someone like Bruce Wayne, if you hand enough people like, hey, didn't I meet you 30 years ago? You hand them $10 million. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. You're his son. (laughs) So, but I think I actually really like this scene between Vandal and Padegaton because... (laughs) It kind of shows the more sinister evil of Vandal Savage that we also see in Night of the Hawk. When it's not just like the, and that we also kind of see in Blood Ties. Like it's one thing to be like the big scary world-ending villain that blah blah blah, all the stakes are high. But it's so much more insidious when he's like creeping on a woman at a party, hurt like desecrating a body specifically to hurt somebody. Uh, personally and in this case literally manipulating a child to do an unspeakable act and i will say uh forget Degaton. i cannot do laszlo's voice um his father's not the best guy either tor isn't he literally has robots like pretty much doing a we need a cab here because they need police defunding these police are Getting everybody, I mean, hurting everybody. So yeah. Leonard basically says a cap. He does. <laughs> he does. But they come across a big moral dilemma in this episode because 
Perdigotin, um, as Rip ends up, they have a huge debate over that because Perdigotin as, um, look at my notes here for a sec. Um, he's essentially going to be the next, he's, got, he's going to like be the, under the horrible name in history as is referenced at the beginning of the season. And this is now here he is as a 10 year old child. Like, I think he's 10. I don't know. I'm, I should be better at this. But they're in a debate do we kill the kid or not? And um, they get, the whole ship gets into a debate about it. Leonard references the dark side because he's a nerd for Star Wars. He does. Martin advocates for the morality. He's like, are we going to really kill this kid? And I don't know how well you guys are up, how well you guys know Classic Who. Um, shout out to my friend in college for showing me that so, a, a good episode with that with the fourth doctor and deba- debating over the creation of the Daleks. I mean, like, again, using this in real history, and I will say his name because I, I will. Uh, if you could go back in time and kill baby Hitler, would you kill baby Hitler? Because it would literally save all those Jews, all those uh, Romani people, all those handicapped people, everybody. You would have been saving everybody. And that's the moral dilemma is you kill a kid that hasn't done anything yet to save people in the future. I think it's also something that we address later on in season seven. Although it did just kind of make me think of the first, it's the first episode we meet Zari when she says, who are you guys? And they say, yeah, we've saved the future twice. And she says, so why does it still suck? Yeah. Um, But it makes me think of the need for speed episode in season seven, where I really liked kind of the questions posed in that of this, uh, like, so they're um, skipping ahead and we'll talk about this more in quite a bit down the line when we get to that episode. But the whole idea of this is a man, J. Edgar Hoover, who hated everybody who was different than him and never did anything for anyone that wasn't himself or his interests. Is the world, even though, but he was critical to shaping history into the way it is now. And we would not be the same without him. Is it morally okay but is it okay if he was just never there? And do we accept those consequences? And I think that's really interesting and something that we get to expand on later. But is a dictator like Hitler, Stalin, really that important yeah. to history? I mean, yes, I get Hoover, but are they? And, and because even though, yes, you have that historical point, it's like people forget about it or don't even think about it when mm-hmm. somebody else rises to that. I mean, like right now we're having that thing with Russia. Do we look to that? And it's like, if you don't, as they always say, if you don't look to your past, you're going to do repeat history, but we always seem to repeat history. Tis the flaw of man. Not to, I mean, it's kind of connected to more modern issues. It's like, um, at least in the U.S., we're U.S. centric apologies but that's just like where we're based so we try our best to stay educated but so like the democratic slogan is usually like when they go low we go high and like a lot of people myself included and people on this are frustrated with the idea of but if they just keep going lower and we go high what are we accomplishing and i'm saying like again 
obviously these are moral quandaries. There isn't like a clear right or wrong, but yeah, I, I think this episode is the first time where we try and like actually think about an issue. I'll, we do it maybe a little bit better than Night of the Hawk. Again, progress is slow. I mean, again, I, I appreciate that we have evil vandal savage without having to go into an assault or anything like that. So at least we're having him talk. I mean, it's not good that he's a bad influence on this kid, but it does show that he's very methodical in his thinking and he probably already has this plan for what this kid is about to do and what after that too. You, you know that meme that's like you get a hundred million dollars but there is a snail somewhere in the world and that if it touches you it will kill you? Isn't that just Vandal Savage? It is. Isn't he that is, snail? Is, is Kendra and the knife the snail? Oh that, that's a nice way of putting it of spinning it. But yeah, this debate occurs with legends. And I mean, it's a serious and it's a really interesting debate. Like we could go into hours and hours of detail. I mean, hey, just bring this up at the next dinner party you go to. Be safe, be safe. COVID's still out there. Be safe. But um, they decide to downgrade from straight up murder to Let's 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 have a little light kidnapping going for us. I love Ray's. I do love Ray's like little comment on that. I was gonna say Ray's like, oh good, we've downgraded from child murder to just child abduction. Progress. Can I also also say? I wanted to mention this earlier. Like Martin and Jax up until now are hilarious, um, because Jax has a moment earlier when it's like, yeah, I guess I'm too. Um, well, earlier Stein will um blah when Rip says, well eventually, you know, Ted Egerton, he's gonna release all of these virus this virus and kill everyone. And Stein says, you know, wouldn't wouldn't he just fix it if we devoted our resources to those in need instead of hoarding them inside the walls? Comrade, Russia did you go? <laughs> he had a nice Russian vacation. sorry no that's yeah this is after his capitalism speech though which is great um we call it character evolution (laughs) and then when no no, we don't no we don't and then when Jax is like oh I guess I'm team kid like he's like I guess I'm team robot or whatever rips stupid little or then Sarah's like all right team of kidnapping and then rip goes go team yes so. <laughs> they're working together he'll take it but um speaking of team robot uh right so while the future well most of the team is horrified at the prospect of committing child murder ray also has another horror going on when he sees robots that have the same base structure as his atom suit are essentially responsible for stopping crime albeit violently again ray palmer is also a cab we appreciate this because he doesn't want his technology used in this way so he's figuring out why it's being used in this way yeah so he heads to um the company where the robots are made to ostensibly he says 
well, I'll take Stein and Jax and we'll go and find a way to shut them down because that'll be a, a backup plan in case child abduction goes poorly. Because as Rip also states, technology leads to Savage's rise to power. So that's not, so not only is Pedegatin a, 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 a big linchpin cog, I don't know what the terminology correct is. I'm it's it's I don't know, but um, tech, but it's kind of there's two things going on that can contribute to Savage's rise. We've kind of stopped worrying about the money at this point. It's now just okay. What's here that we can take out now? Oh, so we go into this nice little robotic place, and we get the awesomest guest star ever. We get Jules Strait, who we know yes! Firefly, and this was probably our best for now, our best guest star <laughs> of season one. She's such a delight. I love her. I was so surprised we actually got her. I forgot she was in this. I remember, um, oh God, I I watched Firefly after (laughs) season one of Legends. And I was so delighted to see her. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Oh yeah, I watched Firefly. here's, (laughs) Here's the thing. I'm an idiot who watches things out of order. Which Firefly was out of order when it first started. And then I cried buckets at my friend's yeah. house and watched Serenity. But that, that was a pretty good get for Legends of Tomorrow. But she, yeah, she owns it. And Ray's asking her stuff and they find a very big surprise about her. <laughs> She's like, oh yeah, you're really interested in this Dr. Lecter. Dr. Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> Jax's look when he says this. Jax's the so most bad. what the f looking face ever, and I happy wonders. Okay, did he add? Was this an ad lib from Brandon, or was this scripted? And then Brand decided to make that face. I don't know. I feel like it was more like she should know who Hannibal Lecter is, and maybe you shouldn't have used that alias kind of thing. Hannibal Lecter has faded from public consciousness in 2147. I mean, this is Kaznia. Maybe the show didn't air there. Yeah, um, just thinking about that because, I mean, look at today in this day and age. If you walk into a bookstore, I did that that a few days ago. I went to a couple bookstores because I like to get books, even though I need to do a better job of reading them. same Kate same. So, speaking of which I did there did you know that there is a Star Wars cookbook that advertises a Darth malt anyway but when what I get is like there's so many there's so much literature and media in the world that eventually some of it is going to become completely obsolete when you think about it I mean look at legends DC comics has been around for what 70 years or so uh, almost 90. okay I'm okay but that is something that's going to last. Now, can you name every single character that's occurred? I mean, how many people remember um, Gerd, um, Blackout? Who remembers Blackout? I, I have a book of, uh, yeah, DC characters it, that are not used. Exactly, exactly. No one remembers Blackout from The Flash. And that's the thing that's going to happen one day, is that eventually, years and years in the future, provided humanity is still around, the things we love today are likely going to be forgotten. I'm kind of sad about the idea right. that people are going to forget <laughs> no, that sad. is Hannibal Lecter 
This is just sad. This has been your pep talk with Kate. <laughs> this is a great episode, guys. The future is coming so much faster than we want it to. Percy um, Bezos in your rockets. But yeah, so well, um, well, while everything's going on, um, but Ray comes across this massive bust of himself in, in on the tour. And um, Dr. Bryce, who Jewel State is playing, says, oh yeah, this is a bust. This is our founder here. He was my great, great, great grandfather. Huh, he kind of looks like you. And Ray, meanwhile, is crapping his pants. I could tell that he is crapping his pants. Okay, I'm going to go to my uh, comfort film of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where like Kevin Costner goes, I have a brother, really badly. And this reminds me of, I have <laughs> I had a kid and this is what this reminds me of sadly <laughs> I love that I, even Stein and um, Jax's faces are just like <laughs> they're like that's rough buddy <laughs> but yeah but um they go back to the wave rider and Ray is freaking out because he is a kid he apparently had a kid and this kid grew up to create a company that creates killer robots. And Martin Stein, the most, God, I don't even know what to say for him. But he says, well, technically, the kid's already dead in this future. So, yeah. <laughs> and then Ray goes and she, Ray's like, well, I was only ever with one woman before I came on here. And she ghosted me a week before. And Martin is like, she died? <laughs> I, I love like and Jax is like no it just means she disappeared on dating and, he, and Martin's like probably like I'm so glad I'm not dating at this point he doesn't I don't understand it so, so I don't need to do this oh. the absolute irony of Martin being like oh my gosh this child is dead and being so confused about all of it considering what happens in season 2 it kills me yes <laughs> Jackson Stein like also come into their own like in the second part of the season and I know like we talked about how I think their dynamic is possibly my favorite like upon this rewatch I think it is my favorite yeah, it's I, I know we're all snacks here and so snart with anybody is good but really just the firestorm dynamic it gets stronger throughout the season and they just play off each other so well. I, I just love Martin's look because I feel like, again, as a, the older person on this pod, it's like, what the hell are you people talking about in this now and day age of ye old whatever? So I love it. It's always like, what? What is this thing you speak of? It's like it's like the anger translator sketch, except where your um, where your pop culture translators. <laughs> The youths. <laughs> the youths. Youths. So, while Ray is having the eye of a child, meanwhile, back on team child abduction. Go um, <laughs> Go to you. <laughs> Snart sitting on the park bench. He's like, no street crime, no smog. When can we leave? I, <laughs> I, I do love that. Um, He's that he's there. Sarah's up on the roof with the with the freaking rifle, ready to go sniper on someone. And 
they they put out a pretty good um switcheroo where Perdigonson's escort in his awful red armbands again, he's being escorted to gymnastics. Okay, so before this, we get like him, Leonard Snart, literally making fun of the kid going to gymnastics. We will admit this, but he has these really cool guesses that he puts on and then goes, oh, yes. Yeah. And I still say, how did you not know that Leonard Snart was not pansexual at this point? This is beyond me. Because he loves pop. <laughs> Everyone's got those stupid little Google glasses. Remember when Google Glass was like gonna be a thing? It was the Blackberry. It, it no, was the I future. I remember Google Glasses. I remember this, yes. The last, I've always said the last time we had a hopeful future was when they debuted the Wii. And I feel like after that, everything from the, about the future sounds terrible. But yes, yeah, let's start. Puts his glasses on and he just goes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like he probably pocketed those. He definitely pocketed those because he's like, he's a hard asset, man. Of course, Park, he pocketed like, them. This is going to be useful for me to steal stuff with. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> I love Snart. I do. We're all so he loves these, yeah. We uh, so he has these glasses and he's kind of like scouting out where, like, also Rip is kind of like had to get the gar before all that. I, I tried pausing like during the scene to see if they wrote anything fun, like in the names. And- but it was like, this is the Kaznian flag. I'm like, I feel like I know that glasses. Like, this is my country. Like, I would know that inherently. You don't have to tell me that. Technology. Are you smarter than a Kaznian fifth grader? Not if he's paired Pat Degaton. <laughs> oh, God. He, oh, gosh. He is close to it. Oh, my gosh. It's a fifth grader. That, wait, that show is on in Cosmio, but it's Are You Smarter Than Paradegaton and Nobody's Allowed to Win. You are <laughs> If you win, you don't ever go home. <laughs> if you win, you get exiled beyond the wall. I don't know. I don't know. But um they do mention a lot before all this that like they Vandal mentions like if your father ever finds out of all this. I'll be in trouble. So yeah, he would. That would happen. Yeah, we kind of forgot to mention that. Yeah, well, I mean, I can say the words because that's what he's doing. When he's grooming Pedegaton to his full potential, he's saying like, you know, you can't tell your dad about this. You can't tell him about what um, like I'm teaching you. And I mean, it's not, obviously it's not anything taken to that to an awful level. It's just telling him that like, like, you know, your father is a weak man and he can't do what needs to be done, but you can. I mean, it's very insidious. Like anytime an adult is telling a child, you don't need to tell the adult, your parental figures, what I'm telling you is never good. That's a red flag. Yeah, they they literally mentioned this later on, but yeah, Oedipus, which they obviously mentioned. Oh! No, 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 with the like, it's literally somebody didn't with Oedipus, they told him to kill his father and do all this stuff. And you know more than I do. <laughs> well, okay, I'm gonna say because Vandal Savage tells the story wrong, 
Oh, does he? Okay. Because, so in the story of Oedipus, the way Vandal Savage tells him, we're kind of skipping to the end. We'll talk about it more in depth. Again, take a shot when we say we'll circle back and we don't. But um, Vandal says that in the Oedipus story, the king hears that his son will take his place. So he exiles him. And then his son comes back to take the throne, which obviously like hints at killing him. Whereas in the original prophecy, like there is the part about marrying his mother, but the prophecy isn't that his son is going to take the throne. This prophecy is that his son's going to kill him. But Vandal doesn't tell him that part. So he, even in just that little bit, he's manipulating the details in order to get what he wants. Okay, that's it's, again, like Vandal Savage, I think like we kind of hate on Vandal Savage as our season one villain. Not undeserved because they should have let him get a little bit campy. But even the show itself wasn't campy at that point. But even just like in the subtleties of this performance and writing, I think he's excellent. Casper's just so good. Like, like he's just very good at like you, you can he's very believable as this manipulative guy. And he knows what he's doing because kids at, at that age are very impressionable. Well, they'll listen to the cool adult and not their parents at all. Because at that point, mm-hmm. who's gonna listen to their parents? I have a 10-year-old nephew. He doesn't want to listen to his parents. He doesn't. Anyway, we kidnap. Pair Daggerton. Not now, darling. We've been kidnapping children. I don't want these children. They're very sad. Yeah, Nadia wouldn't want this child at all. There's no way. I don't think anybody does. That's the no. kind of a sad thing. What, what's what's worse, Per Daggerton or Colin Robinson? That is a hard question. Per Daggerton. <laughs> Pat Degaton released the Armageddon virus. I'm so sorry for this accent. It's just supposed to be Laszlo. We're trying. We're, we're a bunch of what we do in the Shadows fans. So, um, but yeah, so they have the child kidnapped um, and Sarah's, just, Sarah's like keeping an eye on him. Well, they have him kind of, they have him sedated in the med bay because how much worse can we get? Um, and Gideon, they learn, and Sarah learns that Gideon can monitor dreams. And she says, I wonder what evil dictators dream about. And then Gideon's like, he's imagining himself making cookies with his mother. And it's like, aww, oh, he's evil. Okay, which brings up the good question of how much stuff has Gideon seen in their dreams? Which I always have been curious because we never brought up this again after this episode. If you could see one legend's dreams, which legend's dreams would you want to see? Answer in on our Twitter uh, at Week Legends or email us at legendsofnextweek at gmail.com. But yeah, and Gideon says, Oh, yeah, I'm out of your dreams. Sarah, you had one last night about a nurse, and you guys were in tears like, That's enough. A rollicking fantasy. Now, you know what? Season seven makes much more sense with the stuff with Gary now. Yeah, that makes more sense now. Oh, yeah. But so while they were hoping taking him out by kidnapping him was going to help the timeline, it has absolutely no effect whatsoever. It doesn't stop Savage from rising power. So Jax 
Love of Jack's the, the good the one person who's holding a brain cell says, "Well, why don't we just talk to him?" Honestly, I, I don't think talking to a kid that's already been brainwashed would help, but it's not not it's worth trying at this point because they obviously don't want to kill him. But we're also bringing up the fact that while this is all happening, Kendra has her own story. Oh yeah. <laughs> That is flashbacks of her previous life. And for some reason, she's alone while doing this a lot of the time. I mean, I guess it's not really a team sport, past memories, unless Carter's there. I I just hate that she always seems to be not of the team. Unless you're drinking the tea. (laughs) True. (laughs) She is in that bad wig in a flat. Legends has never been able to afford wigs. It's not Edith's bed. Wig is not as terrible as Vandal's, though. But so, yeah, we get this flashback to the 1920s. Their names then are, yeah, Edith and Joe Boardman. This is when they've had their son, Aldous, who was in the pilot. Rest in peace. You really didn't deserve this. Comes home, and honestly, I I know maybe we're just thinking about Hawkman a lot today, because... As today, when we recorded this, the Black Adam trailer came out, and Aldous Hodge, hello. How weird is it their son is named Aldous, and the person playing- I was just thinking that! How weird is that? that Serendipity. It's beautiful. Um, Side note, I am loving- the new Hawkman costume that we get to see. It's oh, it's so good. Just... It's so much better than the one mm. I, I said this on Legends of Tomorrow. Sorry, Legends of Tomorrow. Well, CW doesn't have money. That's we spent true. it on Supernatural flannel. That explains why we don't we can afford the lot anymore, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, so they're sitting there. Good brothers. <laughs> Those two. I've had enough of these two. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, this is honestly the best Carter that we've seen in his very brief time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's something about Carter in this scene or in these scenes that kind of makes me understand the Ray thing more. Because weirdly, like the Carter we see is always brash. He's like, you have to fall in love with me because you always do. In this one, he, oh, um, Carter, or I guess Joe, just has this optimism that he does. it's not cockiness. It's just, I believe this can be different because I have to and because I'm with you. I mean, honestly, I feel like even though they're reincarnated, they have different personalities maybe every time they're reincarnated. Like they have different temperaments and stuff. So maybe Carter's mm-hmm. not always as brash as the one we meet. He says, I, I think in I think in the crossover, um, or maybe in the pilot, I don't remember. They all kind of blur together. But there's a part where um I think Carter says, Sometimes I remember first and sometimes you do. And we always come back to each other. But there's like two lines in these flashback scenes that stick with me, and they're both Carter lines. Weirdly, like he has one where he's just um, when she's like, yeah, I had to make our new identities and we have to keep running. And he says, well, I've never kissed an Edith before. It's cute. 
Yeah, it is. I simped a little there. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. Okay, the interesting thought I just had is maybe this Carter's different is because maybe she remembered first. So that could be the reason. Maybe so. That's a good idea. I don't remember. She says something about like, well, you still love me after all this time. And he says, I love you beyond anything I could describe. You know, I love this one. Beautiful line. It just shows like the depth of their relationship of them actually being in love. And I know we didn't see any build up, but we didn't need to in like this flashback scene. And it just makes me think more on they were pushing the Carter and Kendra thing is this idea of like your soulmate you are always linked to, but it just wasn't developed enough. It makes me wonder what we, what if the writers hadn't killed Carter off so early and used him as a plot device to further Kendra, what could we have seen if he survived? What could have we seen if he took a step back and we saw them got to grow close to each other again? I mean, now that's just making me think of what if scenarios. Like, I don't want to say what if Kendra had gone instead because no, we need Kendra. But what if it had been Mick in that first episode? And so when, spoiler, the big twist later on in the season with Carter, what if that had been Mick? What if that's when we found out who Kronos was? You're so right. But but if that thing happened with Mick, I don't think that later thing that happens at the end of season would have happened kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I agree with you. Wheels are spinning. But I I think that's just kind of also the good debate. I'm just saying if that happened, it's like the whole thing of if time wants to happen, it does kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. if you changed one, like, cog in the wheel something would ended up getting mucked up in the end but what gets me in this is that ray is that ray is ray checks up on her assuming she's having flashes of savage she doesn't tell him he's having that she's having flashes of carter actually instead and then he doesn't tell her that he thinks he has a secret child out there so there's not some good there's not good communication going on between them and it kind of feels like they're almost out of the loop of the episode entirely, or at least Kendra's out of the loop, which. But there's a fun, like, kind of thing with communication, because you also have the fact that Leonard's not communicating with Mick either. So there's this whole thing of, like, you have two couples, n- not romantic, one of them not romantic. They're couples. They're not, couples. Don't straight wash this. Yeah, they're not communicating at all. Like Leonard's just stuck in his little like cargo hole playing with a ball. And she's like, let's, well, we we have to go to where Sarah goes to make first. But she does say, you need to talk to him. Talk. You need to talk. And he goes about you, which I'm <laughs> about that. <laughs> go, Kate, go. This is your moment. Pass you this is my mo- this is my moment because yeah, as I have stated before, I was a little bit on the Captain Canary train in season one, and I remember because um there was no reason there was no reason for him to throw in that about you line, and I nearly just like head hit the floor, boom <laughs> moment there when I heard that and just hearing that again 
I was like, oh, I know this isn't going to happen happy. And, you know, it was fun while it lasted, but dang it, these two. Sorry, that is my contract with Captain Canary's squee moment. I get to have those sometimes. Absolutely. Well, I think just those two characters are both struggling with the idea that they do deserve better things in their life. Yes, absolutely. Agreed. 100%. Absolutely. And then Although, we have my favorite pairing, so we'll go with that. Um, but before all this, Sarah does again. I will go back to Mick is poor in the hole. He's the priest in the confessional booth. Back to Mick. Yeah, and she there, but she doesn't go for confession. She actually tells Mick what happens. Be- what happened between her and Leonard during when they were freezing to death? Oh yeah. She's recounting that tale, and Mick is honestly, he doesn't give a crap. He's still mad that he got marooned. But then, as Sarah leaves, because she was okay, I'm not getting anywhere with him. This is not, this, I'm not helped. This is not working. And as she's leaving, he says, Oh, killing a kid doesn't seem very hero like. Love that line because Mick Rory has tried to be everything except a hero and the fact that he's saying that is almost like a little spark of good there a little bit i feel like it was a dig it was definitely it was a dig because he's like well you all thought i wasn't a hero here you are talking about killing a kid why why you think i'm worse than you at this point i feel like it was a dig like heroes would never kill a kid. I fully agree with you, Eden. <laughs> that I think Mick just kind of it's been some I say easier, like Mick's had it rough, but it's been easier for Mick to play like the hulking like bug role. Where he just goes and burns things. He doesn't have to think about anything other than I go burn things. This is what I like to do. But he's almost afraid to address that there's more about himself and not to make us all sad but just this moment with Nick and Sarah it makes me think of what episode is it in six when when they all have snarts coats on uh yes that was um that shit broke that's not shit broken terms and no um nip talk nip talk nip talk it was nip talk oh that episode no wait that's not nip talk that's the yeah, it was. Nip stuck. Oh. <laughs> no, Ray's still there. No, 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 because he and well, well, well he's oh, not there. Yeah, he's yeah, he is he there? Right, he right. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And, yeah, and he goes, Oh, this smells like sandalwood, which it was like, that's what Leonard used to smell like. Mm. Or do they just put like those little blocks in there to prevent mothballs? I don't know. That's what Len did. Yeah. Because he, okay, this is where Len and John are like literally basically the same with their coats. They probably have like 20 versions of their coats. Nah, John's, John's yeah, coats right. John's, stay the same. John's coat self cleans. <laughs> that's nice to know. Let's just wrap up the Kendra plotline because it literally doesn't connect to anything else. Really doesn't. So 
anyway, this whole thing ends with Kendra and Carter, or as Joe and Edith, telling Aldous the truth about them and why they have to keep moving. And obviously we know in the future what will happen to them. But I don't know. I just felt this moment is kind of the first time that we actually like Carter. Mm. And they never use this. I don't think they ever used flashbacks like this again in the show ever. But I almost wish we had gotten to see other flashbacks of their other lives. Because I have a list here of Hawkman, Hawkgirl reincarnations. And at one time, um, Carter was the unnamed assistant of Dr. Frankenstein. I would have liked to see that. Ooh, that would have been interesting. There, there was one time where he was Sir Brian Kent, who was a 6th century English knight known as Silent Knight because he never spoke. And Kendra was her wife. And that. There's good another. Good, good for them. <laughs> There's one where both Carter and Kendra are both musketeers in the 16th, 17th century. Which sounds amazing. Okay. That, that would have been so a whole nother question that I have about this whole reincarnation thing. But like again, can you get reincarnated as two men and two women? This is interesting. Just saying. Oh that would have been interesting. I'm, I'm mad at myself now. And then they were also um one time he was a Pinkerton detective in the early 20th century. And then she was his ex-girlfriend that got caught up in the mob and they had a whole thing. So again, there are so many alternatives that we could have seen to like further emphasize that they've loved each other forever. I was I just crack up when I hear Pinkerton because that takes me back to um um the Delta Blues episode of Timeless when Timeless. <laughs> When, when um, Flynn and Rufus show up and the guy that's like, you two are a couple of dicks and, and Rufus is like, what? And Garcia is like, oh, yes, we are Pinkertons. But I was like, oh! Nice. Sorry, I just remembered that. I, I love that. Yeah, timeless deserved better. Oh, wait, I guess the Kendra thing does tie into the rest because it ties into Ray's thing. I'm so, I'm so sorry, Ray Kendra shippers. I know you, there are some of you still out there. <laughs> to wrap up the Kendra thing, we actually do have to go back to the main plot, blah, blah. So anyway, things start beeping and everyone realizes, hey, Rip took the jump ship and the child. <laughs> At this point, every time you say the child, I keep on thinking of the Mandalorian, and it's not that. How is it everyone else is getting the Star Wars references in the vein? It's not me. <laughs> but anyway, um, we also learned that there is an 8,000-mile range on the jump ship. But now I'm wondering, okay, how does that factor in with time? What, do, how, what is the conversion of miles in time? How are we working on that? Because I know we have miles per hour, but I don't think that really contributes to. It's confusing. But um, Rip disables the signal so they can't follow. So they're kind of stuck. And Vandal Savage has gone to Tor Degaton. Oh, I to mention his name is Tor. Tor Degaton. <laughs> it Tor Degaton. Well. <laughs> it's got a good ring. 
Yeah, that's better than per Degaton. But um, Tor Degaton is so confused. Tola Degaton is so confused about why he can't identify the people who took his son. And I love that we can hear like the choral part of Vandal's theme in the background as Savage is telling this guy, it's just telling, I don't know what his title is. Who cares? He runs a corporation. Screw him. Sorry. Uh, but he says, oh, you're not going to find these people. There's no records of them for the past 50 years. I know that. I'm not going to tell you how I know that, but I know how I can get your son back. Playing the long game. Yeah, that's an interesting hint that what happened. Yeah, that happens later. Honestly, I didn't really think about that. But we have like Rip on this little island. I don't know where he even went because we don't know where he went in time or space or anything with Perdigaton. It's well, because I do enjoy that. Like we had to have because he's a little shit. He has to do the Malfoy. I mean, screw Harry Potter. Yes. But he just that my father will hear about this. Daddy will know. Daddy will know. <laughs> It's such a brass comment. Can we make that a sound effect to use? Daddy will now. Daddy will now. (laughs) Yes, Daddy. Sorry, Daddy. Daddy. But um, I'm gonna say that because I know where we film, Rip just takes um, Pedagaton to somewhere in Vancouver, probably, or somewhere in Canada. By there's water. There's trees. There's grass. So, and he's, he's and then he, and then he asks, this is a low-key creepy, do you know how to swim? Did your father <laughs> I, ever teach you? Nah, he must have people to teach you that. That was creepy. I'm sorry, that was. <laughs> Ideal place to murder a child is by a lake in Vancouver. <laughs> you Nobody, see too much Canadians animal. will never tell on you. Yeah, so Rip has his little speech that's like, like Kate said, it's kind of creepy. It's like, my son always wanted to learn to swim, but I could never teach him because they died. And I, I know Pedagogin Pe- sucks, but he's like, what? <laughs> Look, I identify with Pedagogin here. Why would he ask this question? And the kid's like, what are you talking about, dude? And then Rips, Rips tells him, I'm sorry, but I have to save my family over you. Points the gun at Pedagaton's head and the first time I ever watched this way back in 2016 I didn't really think a lot about this but watching this now Pedagaton gets this creepy little smirk on his face he's like you're not gonna do it and it's it's creepy I realize now how creepy it is and then, he, yeah, he, he goes, Vandal has taught me everything, including the look in somebody's eyes. And I, he's like, I could see by the look in your eyes, you don't, like, literally, you do not have the guts to kill me. And to think he's probably the same age as his son was, so it's even harder for Rip to kill him. I think Jonas was a little younger. Mm-hmm. Like, Jonas is probably, like, set with... I was gonna say is he was seven or eight probably. 
but it's, it's still a kid in that age range which i you're that's about so to kill a kid I mean, when you when you think about child development and yeah. the neurological he's a little blonde systems. child they all look the same <laughs> this is our answer to draco malfoy not to talk about that turf's universe yeah so he has that little talk and what is rip that he says he rip says like so he doesn't shoot him and he like basically tells him i don't really think this absorbs much in the kid but he says i think they're my decision to not kill you isn't weakness it's goodness is that i believe if there is even like a shred of good in me or in this there has to be some in you and I just as my last thing and then I'll give it over to my other two hosts I mean I feel like that just carries through all the seasons of legends Mm -hmm. we joke about how we can redeem a villain every season except the first one and kind of the second one but I think legends just does have this core belief that we all have the capability to do both bad and good in equal measure Mm -hmm. and I agree with you but like, again, I, I think that because brainwashing is like, again, you have it in cults, you have it in so many things. You're in, so in deep that it doesn't even matter if you have this one conversation. He thinks that Vandal is the end all be all. He's right. There's they, It's so ingrained in his brain. He has no other thought than Vandal's right. I there's I need to do what I need to do and he gets it further where he goes when they get him back and they're fighting for the kid to come back and they're having that whole battle where he's like give him he gets Sarah and puts a knife to her and he goes give us the the kid or we're gonna kill her yeah um that was actually a really great um fight scene that we kind of got um also I have this note in here and what the heck was with that freaking body armor that the Kaznian soldiers yeah, were wearing what was the yeah, deal that looks like an oh. umpire's get up we didn't even mention but like in like the few I don't know what you call a flashback of something that hasn't happened yet because it's the future it's a flash forward yeah there you thank go. you because of Lost, we know this. Oh, thank you. I knew it because of that one show that I never watched, but I watched like the last scene. Because there was a no, 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 no. There was some show where like everyone got a flash like a few months in the future. <gasps> that I only ever saw. I, I, here's the thing: I only ever saw the last scene of that because uh, because um, Band of Horses had a really good song in that. And it made me cry. And I remember I used there's that a, to write some eggs one time. One and it was fun. Of it. It's actually called Flash Forward, I think. It's such a good show. I'm sad it ended nice. early. Yeah. It's a good show. I, I was just going to mention, we do get that flash forward of Vandal Savage murdering Pad Degaton in the future. He just <laughs> runs him through with two swords. <laughs> really great. He kills the monster he made to take his place. And and, and the interesting part is Rip does warn Per Degaton about this. He goes, "You're it's this is gonna happen. Vandal's gonna betray you," and he didn't listen. I think the sadder, honestly, when watching this 
I felt kind of sad and I don't remember feeling sad at the time but what just like first of all the kid playing Pad Degaton is so very good, good. excellent good yeah he was a good actor yeah uh but he tells Rip when Rip says that you know he's gonna kill you right he says no because Vandal loves me yeah and Rip's face is just like god he doesn't he's gone and he just but i think in that moment again is rip feel because i know we talk about rip is a terrible person rip does a lot of bad things and he uses people we know this but i do think rip has this care not caring for this kid because he knows what he will do in the future and that like he says billions of people will die due to his actions but in this one moment he's just a 12 year old kid who he says his memories is making cookies with his mom do we see the mom no we don't I i'm pretty sure mama. she's dead that's my thing so five bucks says vandal killed her oh absolutely vandal killed her absolutely that's an easy bet but that's my my kind of the part that stuck with me the most is rip's just sadness of this is still a kid that just wants attention from a father who wants to please the father figure in his life. Again, I feel like he sees, again, Jonas, because he probably, like, Rip literally probably doesn't, didn't see Jonas all that often because he was always at his mm-hmm. job. So again, it was probably him also sitting there saying, maybe I should have spent more time with my kid instead of running around through time. But yeah, I'm just kind of backtracing for a second there. But um, it's interesting when, because what happens also is um, Ray and Kendra split off from the group to go shut down the atom bots, which will which will circle back to it. After Ray like hits the ground from a hundred feet on his back, Barty armor or not, how are you still walking, sir? I, I listen. I may have done terrible at physics, but I know if you're falling that that fast, wind resistance be damned. It's gonna hurt. Something's gonna break. <laughs> but also the fact that um, that Sarah is essentially traded for Perdigatin. I had another Captain Canary moment right there. But Sarah and Savage had that weird stare off before she returns. Yeah. Honestly, okay, I'll go with like I have back problems and I fell on the floor and I was I that's how my back got worse. So there's no way Ray would have been fine at all. There's no way. But he does go back to the corporation and he talks to his supposed great great grand great granddaughter and he goes, I'm the one who made the robots, and it was me. And she goes, You're Sydney Palmer. I'm so bummed we never got to meet Sydney Palmer. Never see Sydney Palmer was a plot device. I know. We and apparently he's the worst. Him. He's the worst. We also like the do worst. they do they ever mention him again? I don't. Yes, know. they do. Yes, they mention him did. once when we get to see little baby Ray. That's right. That's but, but right. My point is, are they twins? We never get answers because they supposedly. Yes. Because like- he says it's his his stupid twin brother. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, man, 
I Ray assumes he would be playing Sydney Palmer. I mean, man. Brandon Ruth playing frat boy Sydney Palmer. We could have had that. If he'd played, I don't, I haven't, I never saw him on Chuck, but if he played that, who he, who he did, he wasn't evil on Chuck. I would have liked to see that. You know, I was going to say, Scott Pilgrim. He should be. I was going to say, that's Sydney's the vegan. (laughs) You're incorrigible. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. That movie has not aged well, in my opinion. But um, some good like stuff, with with today's like how we view society and dating and such, it hasn't aged well for me. But um, it's still funny as heck to watch. Oh, good. But yeah, it's this whole thing of oh, it was my brother that did this. It felt like you know the Futurama episode, like luck uh, when it's. Fry's brother has a statue or two and then Fry is like really upset about all of this and he's like my brother took all of this it's actually a really sad episode yes my brother had like my lucky four-leaf clover and he got to do all these things and then he finds out at the end that no it's not my brother that did this my brother gave him this four-leaf clover because I disappeared and he named his son after me and he did all of these things thanks yeah i remember because that he loved me and he missed me but but yeah sydney's like a plot device because i don't think they wanted to explain how ray had a kid to be honest i feel oh like God, this is lazy the comic made a canon though he ray palmer is ray palmer has a child in the legends of tomorrow comic i'm a sorry child. if i spoiled it no <laughs> and so does kendra <laughs> yeah and so yeah jack's too, which we knew that in the sh- uh, yeah, season three spoilers. <laughs> but um well, I guess we never talked about how Ray is also having issues about like hey I had secret child and I don't know maybe I don't know I don't know why Ray is so I understand why he's upset that he possibly had a child that he never had a connection with but dude why would Kendra be upset like you just started dating I know you had two years yeah like, I- you didn't know either <laughs> I'm curious about that too because it's the whole thing. You dated somebody before her. I can understand if you were cheating on oh cheating on somebody, but you weren't. They copied and pasted the Oliver plot line from season four. Oh my god! Oh damn it! This is we, we, we blame Oliver Queen again. The best thing Oliver Queen ever did on Arrow was die. Actually, the best thing he did was be friends with Bagel. You know what? We've had many secret children sure. plot lines. I we've had many of them. A child. We we get oh, wait, we, we get have secret, we, we get the secret child plot line coming up in season two, and I apologize for the person I am we going to become. What is it? Season five? Or Which, yeah. No, it's six because with Mick's kid. Oh wait, no, Mick has two sets of kids. Oh. That wasn't really a secret. That was five. No. That was five. He found out in five. No, it okay, is a oh. child. He we got babies all over the timeline. Um, where are we? Oh yeah, they're fighting. Child. <laughs> child. They made the exchange, I think. And oh yeah, the main exchange. I don't know if we like went over it, but it's basically savage. I don't know how we got the drop on Sarah. They purposely didn't show it to us because there's no way he would have got the drop on Sarah. That's why. 
but yeah, as the transfer goes down, Sarah and Savage have their very weird stare off. And Perdegason is being allowed to go back to his father and Savage. And Len, who was advocating for killing this kid before he does any wrong, which um, now I think about it, can we trace that back to um, the very common theory that Lenasar is Jewish? Yeah. When I think about this, so I'd say uh, actually, actually, I just. Canon. It's actually I, oh, yeah. Canon. Oh, can't. My apologies. It's canon. I just realized this. There was, yeah, stupid. there was a holiday issue of um, The Flash where he says Happy Hanukkah. So he is Jewish. My apologies. I'm dumb and I forget things. But yes, but what interests me is that he was advocating to kill the kid. Hell, he, hell, we know he could have just shot the child right there. I mean, it's not like he hasn't killed people before, despite what, despite everything that things happen. But he says, better find a new mentor. But you, you, there's also, uh, you forgot that Leonard did make that deal with Barry Allen that he wasn't going to kill anybody anymore. So there might have been that too. I don't know. Okay, but he's, he's definitely, listen, I don't, I mean, he's probably, they've all, they've probably indirectly killed someone. Yeah, they, they caused they a nuclear meltdown. <laughs> um, I was just gonna say I did enjoy Leonard Snart throughout this entire episode roasting this child. He's doing gymnastics. We forgot the very good Leonard moment though of the ultimate Leonard episode. Oh, we're gonna oh, get, we get to it now. Yeah, how? Um, Mick and Leonard finally got their group back, group back. But before that, we have to go through what Perdigonton does next. Yeah, he's he uh, he bounces back really fast, which is um that's not a good sign. That's not good. A kid should not bounce back that fast from being kidnapped, being threatened. Um, this is definitely. He is showing signs of not being a well-adjusted member of society, almost psychopath, sociopath. Kind of. I don't know the difference, but he's starting to show signs of one of those. He's probably and a sociopath. He just wants to go into his next lesson. And Vandal says, oh, let's talk about Greek mythology. And immediately I'm like, well, that's a very gay thing to talk about. <laughs> Which you- I'm sorry. I, haven't, I, I don't know a whole lot of straight people in a Greek mythology. I'm sorry. I like Greek mythology, by the way. You're not straight, no. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wanted to say that, like, obviously, then Gideon says, "Hey, we sped up the timeline because now they're going to release the Armageddon virus in like two weeks." You're not friends. <laughs> but it, I wanted to just touch on this, like again, the insidious nature of Vandal Savage as a villain, of him. I, I know we touched on it, but he's grooming this child because he's basically indirectly rip proved his point about his father. Is that his father's too weak to be a good leader and that that's what you can be. And this is our secret because you're obviously more grown up than your age shows that you are and that um, I can help you like achieve your goals and do something and so like again it's this very insidious evil of vandal savage that we don't see behind all the mustache twirling that usually this kind of character does so i think it's 
really creepy character work. It is very Palpatine. You're not wrong. It's very, because I can help you save Padme if you just do this. So it, it, it is. But he get he gives this kid he gives Pedegaton this big this this massive knife that is probably the size of his uh from his from his, his fingers to his elbow. That's a big knife for a ten year old. That's and Pedegaton sneaks into his father's quarters in the dead of night. Which first of all, his dad is a really heavy sleeper because I mean. I, I, when I was when I was younger, I mean, my parents always knew what I was up and about. Like I would hear Same. they would come after me. Like, and I guess this would be another say of how removed Tor is from Per. And but Per Dickinson says, "I'm sorry, father," and then knifes him in his sleep. And Brilliant. Savage takes over. He's kind of the um, what's the word you call it for when? Hostile takeover. It's a no, hostile. no, 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 no. What do you call? What no, do you call it's... the person who who makes the decisions when says the hair the... is too young? What's that word called? Um, they said it in the episode, basically, like in his steed. Yeah, like yeah. I'm the one making the choices. I don't know. I I know yeah. the word. I can't place it. It's like air regent. It's regent consul, something like that. Um. It would be I, I, a bunch of French kings had them. I don't yeah, know. It's um because mm-hmm. when you're in a trust, you have a trustee. So he's kind of like that, where it's like a trustee. Yes. Yeah. I but Savage uses the power to release the Armageddon virus five years earlier than originally scheduled. Okay. My thought is, why has nobody questioned of, well, the guy just got stabbed. Who killed this guy? Who killed him? You gonna tell Vandal Savage? I'm not. <laughs> now it's it's interesting you bring this up because that's what I was thinking too. And then I thought more about it because Vandal Savage has been alive for thousands of years. I don't know how old he is at this point. He's pro, but he's pushing. He's over four thousand years. Nobody, old. no crime. Point. But he, he's been around. He's We know that he has been whispering in the ears of history's wicked um, leaders, I should say. He's been whispering to wicked leaders for years. He knows how to play the game. He has likely been playing the game since the, since we first, since the concept of a monarchy was first started. Even back in Egypt, he was playing this game. And he and the best way to silence, and so he's probably silencing anyone who's going to speak out against him to send a message. I, I really, yeah, nobody, no crime. He probably did do something, but like now, Pedegaton, he he killed people. We're going to go back to Nick and Leonard because this is my favorite part anyway. <laughs> Hit right. it, Aiden. Hit yeah. it. Ah, <laughs> so we go, and he goes, let's make a deal <laughs> and fight. We're because we're not the heart to heart people at all. We don't talk about feelings because we don't have sad feelings. We don't have bad feelings. We're not going to sing at this point, but we're going to fight to the death. If I win, you can leave. You know, if you win, you can leave. If I win, well, I guess he has to stay. So they fight to the death. They don't cover that part. (laughs) We're going to fight to the death. 
and Mick literally wins. He's punching the crap out of Leonard so much, so much. Leonard more. doesn't put up much of a fight. Yeah, he's I don't. Very I think passive. he purposely. Yeah, I think he purposely. It's fought. like he feels he deserves this for letting for abandoning Mick. I was gonna say, it made me think of what we're talking about in White Knights. Len has a self sabotage mm-hmm. nature, like. Leonard Snart is everything goes according to plan. That's his kind of guy. But he's also a person that constantly puts himself not in un... I'm not going to say unnecessary danger because he obviously plans to get his heist done. But like when Valentina or when Vostok is like, hey, if you don't turn my machine back on, I'm going to kill him. And Len is like, don't you dare. He just kind of instinctively understands that like if I die, it's not that I... It's not necessarily like I want to die. It's just, if this happens, it happens. I've accepted it a long time ago. Yeah. It's kind of his trauma response in a way. That's how I would describe it. Because I was talking about trauma responses um, regarding something else a while ago. And um, we know that he had, we know that he had a very rough, we know, okay, rough is not even covering it. Um, We know that his father was a corrupt police officer who quit and started doing crimes and um, likely police would look the other way if um, DCS was ever called. They, he, they were, pro- police probably managed to like stick one out for their old buddy. We know he, we know he had an abusive father. We don't know about, we, we don't know much about his mother. Um But he's kind of, he's, but like you were saying, Mary, he's put himself into a mold that he doesn't deserve. He's going to be a criminal. That's who he's going to be. And like he said, the pilot, in the pilot, that that's what he is. He's a criminal. He's not a hero. And he wants to stay in that mold, but he is changing. And he still has this kind of, but he's still retaining to this kind of trauma response that I deserve what I'm getting. Even if I'm right, I deserve it. That's a good point. That's really a good point because he, again, we, he was abused a lot. And uh, that's part of the reason we probably never saw Len shortlist at all, which I, again, he doesn't need to be, but <laughs> there's a lot of uh, head cannons about what happened to his mother and stuff, but that's head cannon. But, um, yeah, he has a lot of trauma. He, he also, I feel like he won't mind dying weirdly. Like he'll be like, yeah. Yeah, like he 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 doesn't like he does. It's not like he has where. Yes, I'm just gonna kill myself because it's just like well, if I die, eh, who cares? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree that. So like when he looks at Mickey, he's like, "What are you doing?" I think it's also just kind of goes back to thief code, mm-hmm. which they. I mean, that's the code that they've always operated by. That even Mick does. We talk about how Mick has this kind of emotional intelligence that we if we think about it we can really see it but he says like all right the deal was you kill me you can go home so why aren't you doing it and he he specifically says isn't that what you wanted and mick goes i don't know what i want anymore which is very interesting because he's been brainwashed by it's a great line yeah he's been brainwashed at this masters his mind is probably god knows like mush at this point so he probably is very confused 
But yeah, I mean, even though Leonard is saying, okay, just finish it, get to go wherever you want, and then and Mick's confessing, well, I'm screwed anyway, basically, because I failed to take you in. And then we it, and then this makes me so mad from someone who enjoys writing is when Mick says that they're now going to be hunted by the hunters. And <laughs> unlike me, there isn't a human part of them left. Great name. Which um, hey, now I'm questioning about aliens because we never mentioned that in season one. And I mean the time masters are kind of humanists, not not like arts in perspective, but like elitist. We, we don't mention aliens until Destiny, when they drop, like, they name drop Thanagar, which we will talk about when we get there, because I have a lot of opinions. We will get there when we get there! We have Who's so many driving this on. bus? <laughs> Wait, who is driving the bus? I don't know. Wait, who, who is driving the bus in the podcast? Leonard Snart. That's true. <laughs> We're going to need a new bus driver. anyway continue what you're saying so yeah hunters show up and and, i mean we're gonna talk about them in the next episode but i personally i would have liked i feel like it would have been interesting to see the hunters maybe brought in at during season two almost instead as a as an antagonist for the first part of the season, then we would have had to keep the whole Vandal Savage storyline, and who wants that? Okay, but okay, but the, but I'm not. But that's but it's not just Vandal Savage. Like the hunters are responsible for basically hunting down fugitives. I mean, what do you become when spoiler alert? Your organization is destroyed. How do we know we weren't going to get that for season eight? Damn it. There's a I'm lot a of fun that. person to be around, aren't I? Uh-huh. <laughs> so what any other final parts of oh wait, yeah, Ray and Kendra have a little scene. We'll just wrap this up quickly because again, we're so sorry, but this plot line's really dry. <laughs> With more time, if we had if we had a longer season and more time for them to marinate than just rush again the writers are terrible with het relationships they're terrible the only relationship that they did correctly was ava lance can i say That's cis not het, can i say cis hat relate presumably cis hat relationships yeah. i'm gonna say that I-, I was just gonna add to that i agree with your point kate about like so i think they could but i, I want to add to that so they could have either gotten Ray and Kendra together earlier and really built this. It's because we said last episode, they decided, you know what? Soulmates don't matter. I'm going to be with you. And then we had had time of them as a couple mm-hmm. doing couple things. Yes. And then they introduced this. That would have been something. Or, and I know this is me and I really like horror and, spooky things but i the idea then of her getting these flashbacks of oh like a soulmate is someone i'm trapped with that even if i don't want to be with them i can't help it or like they won't like as we like learn later like i physically cannot be happy with another person except them 
even if I don't want them. That would have been good with horror vibes. Like that would be like, honestly, like that's a good concept for a horror movie. Anyone Mm. wants one? Like the idea of a soulmate. Anybody wants to write it for us? Do so. Anti soulmate AU. A soulmate you do not want. Oh, you don't need to. Oh, I'm getting ideas. Write it, Kate. Write it. Like, yeah, I ha- I have other projects going right now. The artiste, does that work? But yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, but they, what's who says the is it is it the Parks and Rec? It's like you never half-ass. You got a whole ass. Yeah, Ron Swan. Yeah, I love that's a good Ron. Listen, say what you will about Ron Swanson, but that is a good quote from his. Never half-assed two things. Whole last one. Honestly, again, it's very inspirational. As much I as wish I, I wish I could put it up at work, but I get in trouble. As much as I love some of the pairings later on, um, Legends always had this problem where they kind of do it in the middle of something where they never have the build-up to things. It's kind of like, well, let's drop this couple together, and we have no build-up. One thing consistently we see happening with Legends, no matter what season we're in, I feel that pacing is always our weakest point. Pacing and having development corresponding to that pacing. And I think, like, specifically, yeah, that is a Legends problem. I, that is difficult, especially if you are an ensemble show where uh, if you have, like, technically seven lead characters that are in basically every episode and they all have their own arcs eventually like things get cut things get added on to or and it's the same they also are working with a lower budget than the other arrowverse shows also so, less episodes you have less episodes we have yeah that's why we have less money yeah um so like flash gets a 22 episode season we get this is one of our longer seasons with 16 Season three is our longest with 18. And that's why I think, spoiler, I think season three up until season seven was our best season because it had time. We, we blew our money on something good. We did. We spent the money well. Uh, <laughs> it also Fuck. just had the time to be paced out. Aside from the one episode, it was a really good, oh, oh, two, ep- two episodes, two episodes. Don't it claim the really crossover. We don't. We never claim the cross. Okay, but we don't talk. But we also have the disaster that's called I No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Uh, any final thoughts on this episode before we go into fun segment? The future that we see in this episode—it's very different. When I watched this in 2016. And now in 2022, as someone who's who is surviving a pandemic and seeing how um, how the general how much how much the population that actually is doing work that helps society is taking advantage of, and who benefits? It's an interesting episode, and it's kind of. They probably, I don't know if writers meant it this way, but it's kind of a warning in a way. And no one is taking the warning. And it seems like the warning has fallen on some deaf ears. It was also, yeah, written 2015. So this is still 2015, quote unquote, optimism. Oh my gosh. 
Honestly, this is before the this is before yeah. that thing happened. Yes, it is. Um, I, I will go back to the whole thing of um, always having a uh, you know a dictator in charge, and that warning against that because somebody because things are going wrong or things are going bad and like as soon as people feel like we're going a certain way they'll they'll put somebody in that is not that great and we'll just the cycle just goes over and over and over and if we could change that would we and I know for me if I had the chance to save uh like my aunt that died in the Holocaust, I would, because that's what I would do. I think what's also important in this episode, like there, I really do enjoy um, Rip telling uh, Ted Decaton that uh, basically saying like our choice, like we all have the capability for good and bad. And so I think this episode, could it have been polished a little better? Yes. But I think this idea that, yes, Ted Degaton is a little 11-year-old kid who doesn't seem to have a good relationship with his father, who doesn't, who is like being manipulated by an older figure and is still a child, does not negate the fact that when he is older and when he's, but I'm not saying like children making bad decisions, he is 11. That's one thing. But the choices that you end up making, regardless of the past that you have, um, are your choices. That no matter what things have happened to you before, you are still responsible for what you do to others. Not to get super preachy, I feel like we're very preachy in this final segment. And um, I'm not trying to be preachy here, but um, John Lewis is right. Rest in peace, sir. Cause good trouble. Go cause good trouble. Cause much in this month. Trouble because right now there's so many things that I see in history that what's going on, especially in the queer community, scares me. And mm-hmm. it reminds me again, you should know your past so you don't repeat it. And unfortunately, it's like it's very scary very scary stuff so people Mm -hmm. please love your people i mean try to do the best you can just be you know be nice to other people that's that's my thing is like i see so much meanness and it's just it's horrifying to me as an empath because it's like it's hurtful because i'm like why are people go out of their way to be mean to other people i don't get it but like yeah please cause any trouble you can because the future is up to you mm-hmm. and wear a mask and wear a mask yeah just to like bring it all back to legends i think just the entire show specifically says that any act of good no matter how small it is does impact at least one person mm-hmm. welcome back to a new segment that I'm calling I read to you uh, I tell you a comic plot line you're not going to guess if this is true or not I'm just going to tell you what happens so really it's story time tell us teacher Mary what are you going to teach us last time last time I had a story time I got last time I read some people I got flipped off 
and I can do that for you if you want. <laughs> you do that for free. You do that for free. This is a story about Pear Degaton, uh, as he is in the comics, because the Pear Degaton in the comics is nothing like the one we got on Legends. It's very interesting. And by interesting, I mean weird. We're fine. We'll post a picture of him on our Twitter. Uh, I did mention him in one of our earlier, like, did I make this up or not? But so here is the story of at least 1940s. Pad Degaton. He was created in the 40s. So Pad Degaton in the 40s is a member of the Time Trust. What? So this is a thing. This was a monopolized time where scientists were working on inventing a time ray to travel into the future for a bomb. Uh, there, these are scientists in 1942. So this happened. So they are looking for around World War II. I got gotcha. yes. This is 19. 19- oh, oh boy, gotcha. let's see how this one goes. Gotcha. So the scientists were inventing a time ray to go 500 years in the future to get a bomb or something to for World War II. Um, so the JSA, Just Society of America, gets sent 500 years. They get the bomb, and they get this shield, this bomb-proof shield. And Pat Degaton, who I didn't really mention, he's a big fan of time travel, and he's very jealous of all of these JSA people getting to time travel and being heroes. So he decides to try and sabotage uh, this little handover and try and hand over the bomb and the shield to the Nazis. Uh, this doesn't go well for him, but he escapes. There's Nazis involved. This is not ending well. Uh, this is when he meets uh, Mechanique. Uh, I'll put a picture of her on her Twitter. She is a time-traveling robot on the run from, I believe, it's like another faction of the JSA. I don't remember what they're called. <laughs> so so, it, so, this is the Yassified Yas- C-3PO? Yes, C-3PO with boobs uh, shows up to him. And um, so he's uh, meets up with her. Wouldn't that just be Dot from Spaceballs? I'm just saying. Maybe. I haven't seen Spaceballs. You might be right. But anyways, so she's like, hey, if you help me stop my time traveling horde, I will teach you time travel, buddy. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm into that. And so then they go, they both fail miserably. Uh, Her head ends up being lost from her body. So he keeps it. This is what I used in my um, true or false. So he ends up keeping her head and they're in love for five years. He just has a head, carries her around with them. They're in love. Love is love. How does this work? They're in love. Love doesn't need an explanation. This is like like that Doctor Who Love and Monsters episode. (laughs) And then they're together for a couple years, five years. So 1947, he's working with Professor Malachi Z, who's a former member of the Time Trust who builds his own time machine. Now, Pad Degaton wants to steal this time machine for his own nefarious purposes. Uh, so Pad Degaton, when he turns it on, uh, Professor Z, Pad Degaton shoots him to try and take the time machine. But oops. Professor Z falls into the time machine and is sent into, uh, forward into the future 40 years. And so Mechanic says, hey, babe, why don't we just wait 40 years? Because he'll be right back here. 
And he's real mad about this. He's like, shut up, babe. Uh, oh, I suppose Pear pa- Degaton doesn't look like... <laughs> he looks like he wears like a frat bro sweater. I can't explain it. So he's a chat. Why are you so he's mean? a chat. Ed. <laughs> yeah. And so he's so mad at his girlfriend's head that he buries her head in the dirt and then leaves. <gasps> he's awful. I'm just sorry. So then he tries a paramilitary career. He like breaks a bunch of people out of prison to like storm the White House. That doesn't work. So he goes to oh, prison God. for 30 years. He goes to prison for 30 years. When he gets out, he's old. Um, he's like in his 60s or whatever not saying like uh, 60s is old but he's not as spry as he was and then his old pal brainwave i don't know who brainwave is but they were cool so he's probably not the best wait wait i i know brainwave i've heard that before oh gosh this is the moment like i mentioned earlier i'm racing i huh maybe you're thinking of the other brain guy brainy no 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 no, not brainy i i've heard of brain no wait brain wait what was a brainwave on the it wasn't he on star girl oh star girl is gonna feature prominently later i remembered something so brainwave is like hey bro well because like pet dagatin's out on the street And then Brainwave is like, hey man, here's a new body. It's only temporary, but here you go. And then, so then, Pad Dagatin's got the shiny new body. He's like, you know what I need? My lady. Grass, like inventor? I don't know. My lady. So he goes and rebuilds Mechanique. His good lady lady wife? After my good lady wife, Mechanique. My question is, why would she want him after he buried her head for this many years? Just saying. Head empty. <laughs> this is an abusive relationship. I mean, no shit. Eventually, so rebuilds her, and then um, they go do some time crimes. We love uh, time crimes. And then they he, he fails again. Uh, he just kind of leaves her there. Uh, he goes back to jail. Uh, he's let out 10 years er- uh, early because he's older. Because he's getting old. So then he builds his girl again. Mani, you should not go... Come on, girl. You, ha- you wait, should wait, know wait, better wait. than this. We got a 2.0 here? Oh, we're, we're about to go places with this. So, Oh, Lord. Basically, I'm condensing so much comic lore. And I really tried to condense this because... Comics are hard. And the time travel one specifically. So he's having this big fight with the JSA. Once again, they're like, Pear Dagaton? Pear Dagaton? You get in this house right now, young man? What happens is that middle of this big fight, it's happening at the same place that Professor Z's time machine had disappeared. Oh no. So now, Ooh. because it has been 30 years, or it's been yeah. 40 years, uh, the time machine shows up and Z stumbles out of it and because uh, he's still bleeding from being shot 40 years ago. <laughs> and he goes, it was Perdegaton. And then he died. <laughs> now, <laughs> now. There's more? Yes. So he's not alone in this time machine. Oh no. Because when he pressed the button and like turned it on and Perdegaton was shooting at it, he accidentally created a chronal duplicate of Pedegaton. What? He's been stuck in that time machine with him. So then as soon as Degaton 2.0 stops out of this time machine, our older Pedegaton 
disintegrates from time because he's caused a paradox. So Rip. instantly gone. <laughs> Arrested pieces. Does that mean he's grandpa? <laughs> so then There's he like steps dust, out. My friend. Like, I'm here. And so Mechanique is terrified that this Paradigaton is just going to betray her once again. And, you know, leave her there. So she kills him and then herself. Well, then she also kills herself. That's some Romeo and Juliet crap right there. Now, this was the crisis rewrite of this storyline. Originally, um, there was no Mechanique there or the second Paradigaton just z jumps out of the time machine like he was him and then died so then he just kills himself so he doesn't go back to prison but i like fun time travel shenanigans now in more modern times there's so much um this is technically 2.0 degaton uh, do they really explain how he's able to do this no um because it's comics uh, one time he decided he's going to kill all of star girl's relatives um to just try and lure her out that didn't work but i wanted to mention specifically him and the his like this 2.0 has this weapon called a time disc he's, he's got multiples of them and they when he throws them it speeds someone's metabolism so that means heroes exhaust their powers oh. fast so like adam smasher like almost gets put into a coma because he tries to consume all the energy too quickly and that's the story of Paradegaton and his good lady Rova. <laughs> Joker and Harley Quinn who? Honestly. Moral of the story is treat your robot wife nicely. Treat any of your wife nice. <laughs> I feel like this lesson need not apply to Torchwood. Alright, now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Timeline Check. Woo! Woo! timeline check so where are we this week kate all right so this week we are in 2147 so we are at the furthest we've ever traveled at this point now mix it now at the end of the episode mick has told us to run where are we going to run to well we find out well that's for next episode next week i think i don't know we something yeah. but this is the furthest we've ever gone and I think this this is our second time in Europe too, right? No, third third time in Europe. Third. Third time oh, in- we were in 1920. Oh yes, we were in 1920 for the flashback. Ah, uh, yes, 1920. And in- that's where we were in season seven. 1925. Oh my gosh! Oh my god! How did we not <laughs> run into Joe and Edith? I don't know. Listen. United States is a big country and we're idiots. This is true. One time I went, one time I ran into a guy in a coffee shop and I thought he looked like um, someone I knew. And I started, and I said, hey, and he, and I looked and he's like, oh, hey. And then I realized, no, it's not him. It's his doppelganger who was very nice and understanding, by the way. If I don't know if he's listening, but um, if you ever saw a girl in a coffee shop in 20, 2017 who said hey to you and said oh i'm sorry you look like my friend hi weirdly Maybe. i get that all the time now you look like my cousin's friends all the time one time i was at tj maxx and the cashier didn't think my mother and i were related 
Oh, they always think my mother is my sister. So yeah. I just said my mother is my grandmother before. <laughs> and now it's time for the show where we rank the episodes. So do do do. All right, I went first Same in my mix. ranking last week. So who would like to rank this episode? First. I have no arbitrary number apparently because uh, where do you? I don't keep track. This? But this is somewhere in the middle for me. It's not good, but it's not terrible. But like Night of the Hawks, we all know how I feel about that one. I will concur with Eden. Um, this is also ranging in the middle for me. Oddly enough, this was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, based I on thought the I remember being bad. It's this is probably a middle. Just like straight, thin, or middle for me. Yeah, I just went and double checked. I, I just put mine in the list today. <laughs> so I have progeny like as number five. So it's smack dab in the middle. I think my top four for now are fail are white knights, failsafe, marooned. And for me, I think blood ties. I would think- I might, it's, it's up for debate. It's fluid. The list keeps evolving. Mm-hmm. But what do we have in store for next week or next episode? Oh, next week is, a next episode is such a treat for you all. It's one of my very favorite episodes. Now I'm saying this, I haven't rewatched it in like a year, uh, but we are going to the Old West. Oh. Yeah! Yeah, cowboys and cowgirls. Uh- <laughs> So good. Love Jonah Hex. Love everyone's cowboy outfit. Good bar fight. Oh, all the good. And then, you know, ladies riding horses. Good stuff. And we will have a special guest star with us that week, hopefully. Hey, so, oh. Uh, with that, I think we're going to end this episode. So, once again, I'm your host, Mary. I'm Eden. And I'm Kate. Please, if you have anything you want to ask, request, ideas for segments, we're still looking. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and at our email account. Our Twitter is at weeklegends. Our Instagram is legendsofnextweek. And our email is legendsofnextweek at gmail.com. We'd love any more fan interaction. We're hoping to do like a Q&A at some point. So please send your legends questions to us. And once we get enough of them, we'll start, we'll do a fun Q&A segment. We'll answer any of your legends questions or questions for us. So you can go ahead and send those into our email or send them into our Twitter. And with that, I think we're going to sign off for the evening. So we're going to see you some other week. Bye, guys. Bye. Howdy. Howdy.